This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a special, the NBA has started again edition of the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Tom Westerholm. I am the Celtics beat writer for MassLive.com. I am joined by Nicole Yang of the Boston Globe. Nicole, how are you doing? Pretty good, Tom. We just watched a meaningful basketball game for the first time in like four months. I mean, it was meaningful in that the stats counted. And the result counted. And the result counted. For sure. We're recording this Friday evening after the Celtics lost to the Bucks, 119 to 112. We can probably just get right into it, honestly. Nicole and I are going to do some takeaways. So, Nicole, why don't you get us started? What's your first takeaway? I mean, the Celtics, I don't think they could have imagined a worse start. <laughs> like, everyone was concerned, I think, about what the product of basketball would look like with such a long layoff and getting back in this sort of unconventional environment. And the Celtics proved that might be a concern right away. They recovered quite nicely, but the first four minutes were very bad. The Bucks got the score up to 17-2 to two at one point, and those two points were scored by the Bucks just in the Celtics' basket. Giannis, he made his first four field goal attempts, had back-to-back dunks. Props to the Celtics for sticking with it. I think when Giannis first checked out of the game, it was like halfway through the first quarter, like a little under seven minutes remaining. And Marcus Smart also happened to check in for the Celtics. The score was nine to 20. And then when Giannis checked back in, it was 25 to 30. So they were able to make up some ground with Giannis off the court. Yeah, I mean, the Celtics looked like a team that, you know, had a four-month layoff, and they looked like a team that had played two scrimmages and had one scrimmage that they didn't take very seriously. Like, I thought that they did not look sharp at all. I saw a couple of people point out on Twitter after the game, and I thought it was a decent point that maybe the Celtics should have played Jason Tatum after playing two terrible preseason games just to let him, like, literally just, dude, go out there, shoot 50 times. Like, just shoot and shoot and shoot. Like, we don't care what the result is. We don't care how bad any of it looks. Just get some shots up, get into a rhythm. And I think that's a decent point because Tatum came out and was just dreadful. Like, I genuinely cannot think of a worse basketball game I've watched him play in a Celtics uniform than that one. Um, He finished two for 18 from the floor, five points, missed all his threes. 
One of his field goals was the aforementioned Bucks put back that they helpfully did for him. Um, the other was like a mid-range pull-up, nothing special. He missed all of his threes badly. And that um, came in like the end of the third quarter. Yeah, he spent a good two and a half quarters just missing everything. After the game, Brad said the least of our concerns is Tatum finding the net. Gordon Hayward, Kemba Walker, they all kind of downplayed Tatum's struggles. But I mean, you're not going to expect them to be like, yeah, we're going to... Of course, yeah. So I think it's reasonable to look at it a little askance, kind of side-eye it a little bit like, huh, that's that's interesting. I think it's far from panic time. I, I think it's fair to kind of look at Tatum and be like, huh, I think, I think it's fair for a fan to say, I hope that doesn't continue at this point. Definitely. As opposed to just writing it off entirely. Right. And this is familiar. Like he yeah. ended the hiatus probably playing the best basketball of his career. But like we've seen Tatum miss bunnies. We've seen him have games not this bad, but like he's had stretches where he can't seem to make anything. Like there was that one game this season, I think, where he was like one for 19. And then he was back at the Auerbach Center like at 11 after the game. So like he's had moments like this. So you just hope that like it's not... You just hope that it doesn't persist if you're the Celtics. When he is missing like the bunnies, like the layups, he's just driving to the hoop and he's just not showing any of the control or the finesse. He's just sort of like flailing might be an exaggeration, but you know what I mean? He's just like going sort of aimlessly. Like there's no purpose when he drives. He's like driving, but then it's like, okay, what are you doing with this drive other than just like motioning for a layup? And then if it doesn't fall, he just looks to the ref. Yeah, no, I get that. And I mean, to his credit, I, I think that there were a couple kind of tough, like there was one screen grab of Brooke Lopez pretty clearly putting his arms out on a contest as opposed to straight up. Like there were some that he might've had a case on, but I think the good news for the Celtics is that he's still taking good shots. Like even the mid-range jumpers he took were open. They were in rhythm, you know, as, as in rhythm as he could be when he was so out of rhythm in general. I didn't look at his shot selection and think, oh, he's forcing it. I looked at his shot selection and thought, oh, he's way off. Like he just yeah. cannot find it. And I think that's an okay spot to be right now. I think he's going to be okay. I think it's just a matter of he's got to see a few of them fall in a real game. He's got to hit a couple of those sidestep threes. He's got to get himself going a little bit, and I think he'll be fine. I did think the one thing that was kind of funny, I thought this game reminded me so much of the season opener where the Celtics just could not get their offense going against an admittedly good defense, and just good shots were not falling. They were bricking open looks that they normally hit. So I, I went back and looked, and this is Brad Stevens on October 23 after the Celtics lost to the Sixers. I'm a lot more encouraged than discouraged. I thought we really came out and fought. That was Brad on October 23. Here is Brad on July 31 after the Celtics lost the Bucks. I'm way more encouraged than discouraged. We haven't played for four months. We played a really good team. Giannis is a handful. We didn't start off well. Da, 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 da. I, I did think that that was uh, that, that it was notable that that they didn't reach their top level until kind of midway through the season. And I wonder how long it's going to take them to get back to that after like literally an entire off season's length of time. I mean, I think Brad Stevens is trying to answer that same question. Yeah. I don't think anybody really knows. But I, I agree with Brad that there's more reason to be encouraged than discouraged after this. I think this game also exposed some problems that they might continue to have at the five. Like Daniel Tice was fantastic. And also yeah. the war on Tice continues when um, Giannis either like elbowed him or just like there was just a lot of contact late in the fourth it, uh -huh. it was reviewed for a hostile act but then the hostile act was not found but then there was also no personal foul Giannis had five fouls at that point so he stayed in the game Celtics were pretty outraged about that and actually pool reporter talked to the referee 
they said they re- went to review it and they didn't see a foul. But see, that's wild to me. I would have <laughs> if the if the referee told the pool reporter, "Look, like we're allowed to review it for a hostile act, but we can't review it for a foul that we didn't call." Then I would understand. But when the referee says we just didn't see a foul, I, I like I start to wonder because like that was a tough no call for Daniel Tice. Yeah. Like I don't I don't see how that wasn't a foul. So the referee says, "Quote." Had I seen a foul and the contact been more than incidental, then there would have been a foul on the play, but that did not occur. So many fouls in the NBA are incidental. I don't understand this. Like there's a whole thing called the intentional foul, which is what you call when it was on purpose. Every other foul is incidental. I don't, I don't understand that one at all. Anyway, Daniel Tice was great. The other centers weren't that great. And the, Bucks are obviously a tough opponent in that regard because they have Giannis at the four and then Brooke Lopez at the five. And like, that's obviously a very big duo and the Celtics don't really have that. But anyway, largely I would say encouraged. Kemba looked fantastic and he was definitely upset that he had a minutes restriction. He's so mad. (laughs) He's so salty about that. (laughs) He keeps stressing the bigger picture though. And like, that's hopefully what will pay off for the Celtics is that he will be ready. And with every performance, I feel like Kemba is showing that that's the truth. Like there's no deeper problem. There's no like thing they're trying to either like cover up or like still try and figure out what's going on. Like it's genuinely load management, it seems. He looked normal. Like there seemed to be no signs of like hesitation there. What about you? Are you more encouraged or? I'm kind of nothing. Like honestly, like I'm just kind of like, I don't know how much we can take away from that game, given everything. Like, okay, so Kemba looked great, but he had limited minutes. Also, he didn't have to face Eric Bledsoe, who's probably going to make an all-defense team. Giannis was fantastic. I think the Celtics have better ways to defend him that they didn't bust out. I think the Celtics would have been better off if they hadn't been terrible at the start of the game. But also, like, I think it's good for them that they showed they can battle back and that they are able to do that against one of the best teams in the league. Like, I don't know. I, I guess I'm not really encouraged or discouraged. I think I just, mm-hmm. like, I'm kind of – it was a game. Like, it was, it was good to see some actual action. I kind of feel like Kemba because, you know, we asked him a bunch of questions about the actual game, and pretty much on all of them he was just like, like yeah, I got to go back and watch film. Like, I don't know yet, which is fair. But that's also kind of how I feel too, like trying to break it down right now because I'm like, oh, yeah, like I remember that that play happened. If these two teams do meet in the playoffs, I do think it's going to be a fantastic matchup. Yeah. Smart Giannis is just great entertainment. So in addition to the Daniel Tice no call, Smart initially earned a charge against Giannis, which would have been a sixth foul. Then they reviewed it, overturned it to a blocking foul. Smart was not happy about that. In his post-game press conference, he was like, we all know what that was about. Let's call a spade a spade. It's because that was going to be Giannis's sixth foul. Like, it is what it is. Quite frankly, like, I don't buy what they're saying. So there's definitely, like, some tension there because then um, Gary Washburn tweeted that Giannis was trying to, like, praise Smart during the game, being like, I admire your defense and things like that. And Smart was just like, GTFO. (laughs) Yeah, a couple of things about that. One, I am dying for some, like, real NBA beef between teams that are staying in the same hotel, so they have to just go awkwardly get brunch together. Like, I mean, obviously this isn't what happened, but imagine if Smart was just, like, cursing out Giannis and then, like, they were both getting pancakes at, like, 10.45 a.m. the next morning. Like, that would be amazing. I think the other thing, too, I, I am fascinated by what the Celtics will do with Smart if they do face 
the Bucks in the playoffs. Like, I think there's a case to be made that Smart should guard Giannis primarily because one of the things that does is it allows the Celtics to play their best five. Because Brooke Lopez, you know, he, he might post up every once in a while. We saw him do it on Brad Wanamaker that one time with the baby hook. But the Bucks are not going to win a playoff game based on Brooke Lopez post-ups. So I, I think that the Celtics are pretty safe throwing somebody small on Lopez who likes to space out to the corners and then putting Smart on Giannis. If they do that, they're able to play Smart, Tatum, Hayward, Jalen, Kemba. That's a really strong lineup. The problem is that I think one thing the Celtics love about Smart guarding Giannis is that he is so good at helping on Giannis's drives. Like we just mentioned, he almost got that sixth foul because he's able to slide over and help uh, and draw those charges. I think they would probably rather have Smart pestering Giannis and trying to keep him from galloping down the lane in the first place. Smart is such a such an intuitive help defender that that I'm fascinated how how that might shake out. Yeah, I would I would love to see these teams in the postseason. I, I just think it would be a lot of fun. I, I think it'd be a lengthy series, and and I think it would be very entertaining. So this is obviously not a reflection of Marcus Smart's thoughts, but I'm curious what your thoughts are because do you know who Kenny Boren is? No. He's like really tight with Smart. He founded the Young Game Changer Academy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, not his agent, but like they work together with yep. regard to the Young Game Changer Foundation, which Smart obviously founded. He was very active on Twitter tonight in that Marcus did not start. He quote tweeted a bunch of tweets about Marcus Smart changing the game and just wrote, didn't start. So he sent like three of those tweets and he actually deleted the tweet that I was going to read, which was basically like, why isn't Marcus starting? Again, I don't think this is Smart feeding him at all. I think this is just someone who like supports Smart. I'm curious, do you think there's like any merit to that idea? Yeah, I mean, I think there is. Um, you know, I think that anytime... Anytime one of your five best players is coming off the bench, of course, there's some merit to it. The, the problem is that if you do that, you are trying something that you have not tried much this year. Like that best five unit, you know, they haven't played that many minutes together. It's hard against the Bucs. The Bucs are a tough team because they're so big everywhere. That said, Smart, Smart is so good. He was fantastic this whole game. I mean, his offense was solid. His, you know, he, he brings more than enough on that end. And just, you know, the little things that he does make it make a huge difference. So, I mean, I, I can see his point. I, I'd be curious to know if, if Kenny was arguing for Smart to start over somebody, like over, you know, Gordon or something like that, or if he sure. thought that he should have started in place of Tice. See, that's the thing is I was wondering, okay, what, which would be the most effective swap? Brad always says, at the end of the day, our five best players are going to play the most minutes. And usually that's their closing lineup. But, yeah, that, that was just something that stood out to me as I was scrolling through Twitter while watching the game. To your point about that lineup, so Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum have only played 32 meaningful possessions, non-garbage time possessions, and I assume they didn't play any garbage time. Decent point differential. They're uh, outscored opponents by 2.5 points per 100 possessions. Defense and offense, both just kind of middle of the pack. So it's not like that lineup has lit the world on fire but it's also not like the Celtics have ever used it. Like 32 possessions is literally nothing. Right. Romeo Langford has played 516 meaningful possessions. So like. <laughs> right, right. No, it'll be interesting, I guess, to see what choices they make. Because my next question for you was like, are you surprised that Grant only played four minutes? So I was kind of surprised. 
I don't, I, yeah, I don't know what to make of that. Cause I think that Grant, you know, is the type of player who could help against Giannis because he's so versatile because he can move his feet because he's so strong. Like, it's like a Shemi-esque like, thing. A very Shemi-esque thing. Exactly. What I, what I wonder, and one thing I'll be looking for when I go back is like, did he make a mistake in those four minutes that made Brad go, your ass is out of here, dude. <laughs> like, cause I mean, Brad has a tendency to do that with his young guys sometimes is if they make like a dumb mistake, He's like, look, I don't have time for this crap. You're sitting on the bench. So, you know, I'll be curious to see if he did that. I know that, you know, he played in the first half and Giannis was just kind of parading to the rim in the first half. So it's possible that Grant just made like a really bad mistake and Brad was fed up. So we'll we'll see. But yeah, I mean, I I was a little surprised by that, especially given earlier I told Corrales that I think that uh, Grant is going to be the Celtics like backup big man. I think that he's going to top Ennis Cantor and Rob Williams in the in the rotation. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I guess just going off of more playing time, were you surprised at all by no Romeo minutes, no Rob minutes, anything like that? No, not really. This was the first real game back. We've talked about this. I, I think Brad sees these as, as glorified scrimmages. It, you know, especially after losing tonight, I, I you know, I, I have a hard time imagining them catching Toronto. I kind of think they're locked in. I kind of think that Brad is going to really focus on getting everybody ready, certainly, like giving everybody enough minutes to have a game where Jason Tatum goes out and takes 50 field goal attempts to get out of this rut. But I'm not – like I wouldn't have expected to see a ton of Romeo tonight. Maybe more going forward. Um, but this is the Bucks, you know? Totally. And, like, they'll get time against the Wizards and – Yes, they will. <laughs> but I agree. For the Bucks, I wasn't expecting to see them and not surprised either. But sure. speaking of home court advantage, what did you think of the broadcast – so did you watch NBC Sports or ESPN? I watched ESPN. So I did too, and I thought it was brutal. Obviously, there's kinks to work out. And, you know, I feel bad, like, really, like, just burying the NBA on, like, their first game back in, like, the most unusual circumstances that we've ever experienced. Like, I get it. This is tough. Like, these are, these are still fun basketball games. They look real. Feels like real basketball. This doesn't feel like summer league to me. I don't know. I think that some of the stuff they're doing, I mean, I don't love the fans like watching the Zoom. I, I just think that's kind of gimmicky. And, you know, I, obviously the, the pumped in crowd noise when we can hear it, it just sounds so stupid. Like it's mm-hmm. like, I just think that's got to go. This is way too loud. Um, I can't even hear the players, which, you know, is probably partly by design. I don't think the NBA really wants everybody hearing what the players have to say, but I don't love it. Uh, what do you think of it? Did you ever sit in the media section? Do you ever sit in the last row where the fans are like right behind you? Yes. Did you ever sit there when Brad Wanamaker's wife was there? I am devastated. I think they may have moved players' families away from that section just because of Brad Wanamaker's wife, who was the most entertaining part of the 2018-19 season. Brad Wanamaker's wife was amazing. Brad Wanamaker's wife isn't afraid to share her thoughts on every member of the roster publicly (laughs) during the game. That's us. Maybe someday when we feel like boosting our numbers, maybe we'll share some of the things that we heard her yell at Terry Rozier. <laughs> I learned today that Brad Wanamaker will be one of the virtual fans. Or no, sorry. Brad Wanamaker's wife will be one of the virtual fans when the Celtics have home court advantage. So I need at least one more game with the virtual fans because I need to try and find Brad Wanamaker's wife in the crowd and see if she's like standing up and just like shouting like profanities at Tremont Waters. <laughs> oh man, she was amazing. Like and it was always funny too cuz you could tell on that last year's team you could tell who he was friends with. Because every time Tice was in the game, she would be screaming at Tice to shoot. Like everybody else she would be like basically like yelling at them to pass Brad the ball. But like Tice, she wanted him to get his shots up. Like that was amazing. But yeah, so no, I need the virtual fans for at least one more game because I need to try and find her. 
overall, I don't really have any complaints. Speaking of Brad Wanamaker, uh, the broadcast made a mistake and was like, today is Brad Wanamaker's birthday. When it's not, his birthday was like last week, but he just received his birthday cards from yeah. today. And his son, who I think is 10, wrote, dang, you old. And he turned like 31. <laughs> so that probably hurts Tom, but... Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I am like, what am I, like less than a month older than uh, Brad <laughs> Wanamaker? Yeah, damn, I'm old too. Did you see the Bucks Equality tweet? Yes. <laughs> what a wild tweet. Dante DiVincenzo crossed Wanamaker, right? Um, Brad Wanamaker's just kidding. <laughs> I know, I know. You know, there was a lot of calls for Tremont Waters to replace him in the rotation, and then Wanamaker came out and played great, like did all the things that I, a big Tremont Waters fan, uh, I have said that Wanamaker does better than Tremont Waters and will be the reason that he's in the rotation. That being said, Wanamaker uh, got crossed really bad by Dante DiVincenzo. I believe he fell down. DiVincenzo was wearing the word equality on the back of his jersey. DiVincenzo, of course, is white and crossed over Wanamaker. Wanamaker fell down and the Bucks, in their infinite wisdom, decided to tweet the word equality with that uh, highlight. Just an unbelievable tweet. They kept it up for a long time. Like, it's, it's down now. Oh, they deleted um, it. They finally deleted it, yeah. But, I mean, I tweeted at least an hour after it went up that I can't believe this thing is still up. And I was not the only one tweeting about it. In the Bucks' defense, obviously that tweet is insane yes. because they Nicole, didn't tweet out. The Bucks, let's go. <laughs> because they didn't tweet out every single made basket. But in the Bucks' defense, every time they tweeted a highlight, they tweeted what the person was wearing on the back of their jersey. You know, if what they were trying to do was boost the messages, I kind of get what they were trying to do. You know what I mean? But that was a wild one. It's that so one was funny. <laughs> Equality. <laughs> he really shook Wanamaker. Poor Wanamaker. Uh, but the good news is that the Bucks screwed up the highlights so bad that it will never be on the internet again. So, uh, really good stuff. I guess speaking about the backs of the jerseys, I, I did want to talk a little bit about Gordon Hayward choosing education reform, just because after tweeting out the list of what everybody chose, a lot of people piled on Gordon for choosing education reform. And I feel like it's a complicated issue. I think that education reform is still very important in dismantling like systemic racism. And yeah. Jalen Brown has been extremely vocal about that. I did a whole story with Jalen about what he hopes to do with education reform and what he finds to be like problems with the current education system and that he finds it basically just allows certain people to stay at the top and certain people to stay at the bottom. Like that's really important. Brad Stevens went on the radio and said that in an hour Zoom call with Henry Louis Gates, he learned more in that one hour than he did in 12 years of schooling. So like there's definitely room for improvement within education. That being said, there are people like Betsy DeVos who also think there needs to be education reform and it's not in a way that will actually make like the difference that the players and so many people are trying to make and like raise awareness for. So like, but I just hope that like education reform doesn't end up getting the flack, if that makes sense. Like I don't no, want sure. people to like devalue the importance of that message. And as several people pointed out on Twitter, other players like Garrett Temple, Marcus Morris chose to put education reform on the back of their jerseys. So Gordon hasn't explained why he chose that. 
and hopefully we'll get like an opportunity at practice to like ask him about why he chose it who knows what his explanation is but i just think that like it was a little unfair to the choice itself in my opinion yeah for sure i would say that it was it was certainly premature until we've heard his explanation for it um and i think to your point one of the things that i i've seen is a lot of very scathing tweets you know about him that just say like you know whenever like he pops up and people are like oh yeah education reform like well yeah but like Education reform matters. Um, yeah. You know, you know we'll, we'll see what he has to say. You know, I, I honestly don't want to get too into it, like beyond what you said, because I think everything that you said is correct and important. I don't want to get too into it until we've heard what he has to say. Yeah, I think it matters how he believes that education should be reformed. And we'll go from there. And the last thing I'll say on that is I feel like this is an example of why the league should have solicited more input from the players. Yeah. Because, for example, Jalen Brown is all about education reform, but he's about education reform in terms of fighting against inequality by design. And that was one of the things he wanted to put on the back of his jersey. Yeah. And inequality by design is a lot more specific than education reform. Like education reform can be interpreted so many yes. different ways. So if something requires, yeah, exactly. Like if something requires that context, it shouldn't really be an option because then people can assume like a negative, you know what I mean? Like the more that we hear players talk about what they chose, at least among the Celtics, it's like, well, I chose this, but I would have preferred to have this. And then they have this incredible story, like to hear Jason Tatum talk about Michael Brown, that was heartbreaking. And that was emotional. And that was the most we've heard Tatum open up about those types of experiences he's had. And like, I feel like that would have been really powerful for both him and people. For those that don't know, like Michael Brown obviously refers to the black teenager that was killed in Ferguson and that's 10 minutes away from where Tatum grew up and like that really reinforced to him like that could have been me like it really can be anyone he knew him so it's like Michael Brown isn't some profane thing that would be like not safe for work to be on the back of Jason Tatum's jersey like I just don't understand league's rationale here like it's so frustrating it almost devalues the like the phrase black lives matter because that was like the thing that Tatum just kind of defaulted to where he was like well I put black lives matter but it's not really what I wanted to put but black lives matter is such a such a powerful thing that has like driven driven people to the streets driven people to like you know protest and demand change and demand action and all all this really powerful stuff and like it would be awful if that was just the default like it would be awful if that was like the safe option like it, if that's the if that's what they wanted to put on the back of their jersey that's awesome because it is a powerful phrase it is a powerful movement it is a powerful moment in american history but it, it it seems like a shame that that it's like that people are like well that's my second choice especially when their first choice was like very it was pretty. so yeah. thought out and yeah powerful yeah exactly so one of the things that I think is, is cool is I think Brad Stevens has really embraced this moment and this movement. Like you, you can tell that he's, he's trying to learn. He wants to, like, he wants to learn. He wants to be part of these discussions with his players. He wants, and you know, he wants to listen to his players. Uh, I think that's a credit to Brad. I think that's a credit to, you know, his being willing to, to learn and to, and to listen and to, you know, just kind of grow in that way. For sure. To the players credit, Marcus Smart has been advocating for people to vote at the start of every press conference. Daniel Tice did so today as well, which was, I thought, really cool, especially because he isn't even from the U.S. and he can't even vote in the U.S. So the Celtics have been, I think, really trying to sort of keep these social issues at the forefront. For sure. 
Celtics play, Portland Trailblazers. Should be a fun game, honestly. Portland needs all these. Portland needs to win because they're trying to stay in that ninth spot. They're trying to get in. So, I mean, that's that's going to be a game where if the Celtics hope to – if they hope to bounce back, they're really going to have to actually play well. Last time the Celtics played the Blazers, Jason Tatum went off. Portland doesn't really have a super good answer for him defensively. So another chance for him to make a couple of shots, maybe. We'll see what happens. We're not going to do a podcast after every single game. It's going to feel like that because we are also going to have a podcast after Sunday for Monday morning, but that's just our normal Monday podcast. Um, So we will be back with you guys on Monday. We'll have a breakdown of everything that happens over the weekend. Um, Until then, thank you guys very much for listening. We're excited to have basketball back. A reminder, if you want uh, Jalen Brown, bobblehead, to leave us a five-star review, leave us a rating, DM us with the screen cap, and if you want your name entered a second time, make sure to tweet out our podcast uh, and make sure to tag us, and we will get you entered. But until Monday, we appreciate you guys, and we will talk to you soon.